Okay, so we are starting a new series today called Like Jesus because we are going into Easter month, which is April, which is what month we are in now. Uh, and in this series, for the first couple weeks, we will still have a prayer focus a little bit. And so tonight, we are going to talk about something that a very wise person talked to me about the other day, named Rob. Uh, and it's about, we talk, when we talk about prayer, we always talk from the perspective of, uh, you know, praying and being heard. And sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's maybe. We very rarely focus on what to do if we, our prayer requests aren't answered or if they're not answered in the way that we want. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took, Pete, or he took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So this is just kind of the setup. Uh, Jesus knows that his time is coming, his time on earth is coming to an end. Like he obviously knows the plan, he made the plan. So he knows that Judas is about to betray him. He knows that he's about to get arrested. He knows that it's all coming soon. And so he brings Peter, James, and John. Now, uh, all of the disciples were nearby, but the reason he brought those three is because they were kind of the co-leaders of the disciples. So Jesus is obviously the head, but those three were the closest to him. They were the people that were with him. They were the people that listened. They were the people that he was trusting to run the church. He literally told Peter, hey, you're going to be the church. And so they were the three that were going to pick up his mantle along with everybody else and help lead and help set the example and everything. And so he brought them because he wanted to show them. Because one of the things you'll learn as you get older is leaders lead by example. You don't just tell people what to do. You don't just say, hey, this is what you do, this is how you do it, and then you move on. What you also do is you listen when other people are talking, even if you're sitting on the couch, and you continue to set an example. You continue to set an example of what you're supposed to do. You set an example of how to do it. And that's what Jesus did. Like Jesus obviously told them how to live, and he told them what was right, and he talked to them. They heard all of his sermons. But he also would show them in the way that he acted. So a lot of times you'll have sometimes teachers, sometimes authority figures, uh, sometimes people on TV, whatever, you'll have people that are very authoritative in terms of do this, do this, do this. Uh, and that's only part of it. But if those people don't also do it as well, they don't also show respect, they don't also live that same way, they don't also set that example, then nothing really is going to get done. And so that's what Jesus is doing here. And he talks about his soul being crushed with grief. Um, we talk about, there's some weird things in Christianity, and by that I mean especially around Easter, where uh, sometimes it takes a long time as you're growing and you're hearing this stuff, especially when you start as kids, to think of Good Friday as actually good, because we know that that's when Jesus died. We know that that's when he was beaten. We know that, that when that's when he was crucified. Now we know that he died for our sins, but to call it good is still kind of weird. And so it's important to note that when he says, my soul is crushed, he's not saying, I regret what I'm about to do, because he very much wanted to do that. He's not saying, man, I wish that I wasn't going to die, because his sacrifice was vital, and he knew that, and he was a big fan of that. But his soul is crushed because he loves us. Now, he loves us enough to die, and he loves us enough to sacrifice, and he loves us enough to be there every day, but his soul is crushed because he liked being with the people. He liked talking to people. He liked seeing them grow. He liked seeing the light turn on in their eyes when he would preach. He liked seeing them follow his example. And so he loved that. And so he was feeling sad about losing that in the way that he had it. Uh, now, does that mean that he wanted to die? No, he, he was fully God and fully human. So he was going to feel the pain, but it was all about 
not being with us in person anymore. And so he was feeling that. And so he tells Peter, James, and John, hey, I am hurting. And you have heard me every day, and you know what's about to happen, even though you don't fully believe it yet. But I am very much hurting, so I want you guys to be here with me. And I want you guys to pray. And I'm going to go over here and pray alone. But I want you guys to pray too. And so we go to the next part. Uh, He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So basically what he's saying is, hey, if it is possible for everything to be accomplished without me dying, I want that to happen. Now, that's not something we associate with Jesus a lot. It's not something that gets talked about a lot. He is, again, not saying, I don't want to die for their sins. He wants to die for our sins. He is not saying... People are not worth this because he believed with every ounce of his being that we are worth it. He poured out his blood, not just then, but every single day. He sacrificed every single day, setting an example and being there for us. So when he says, again, if it is possible to let this cup of suffering fall from me, it's because he knows what it's going to do to his mom. He knows what it's going to do to the disciples. He knows that he's not going to be there every day to share with them, to help them, to start the church, to heal people, to do all of these things. And so he says, God, and I know that we know that Jesus is God, and we know the Holy Spirit is God, and we know God is God, and it's so confusing when he's talking to God. And it's like, well, wait, is he praying to himself? So God is one God. Like, there's one God, and I'm not going to get super theological, but there's one God. The Trinity is one God. Different aspects of the same God, but one God. And so they all have the same purpose. They're God. Like, it's one person. I get that it's confusing, but it's God. And Jesus was on earth in a way separate Uh, in terms of he still had his power and he still had his glory and he still had his holiness and he had all of this, but he came to earth as a human to live a separate life in that way because if he had just come to earth as a God and been connected like that, everybody would be like, well, yeah, of course he's perfect, he's God. Or, yeah, of course he didn't give in to temptation, he's God, but he carried our bodies. Like, he had a human body and human emotions and human feelings and all of these things. So he's praying to God in the way that we would pray to God. He's praying to him, saying, hey, this is how I connect with you, because this is the ru- these are the rules for the humans. And so he's living out his life every single day. He didn't cheat, he didn't look in the back of the book, he didn't say, hey, this is what I'm going to do in public, and then in private, I'm just going to go ahead and do what I would do in heaven. No, he lived it out each day like we do because he wanted to show us every day what to do. So he's praying like we would pray. Sometimes we pray for help with school. Sometimes we pray for help with a relationship. Sometimes we pray for this, for that, for healing. Sometimes we pray for something not to be done. Uh, Maybe you have a big presentation coming up, and so you pray, please don't let me get called on today. Or you have a big test coming up, please let the teacher forget about the test. And then all of a sudden, like near the end of class, like Hope raises her hand and said, hey, you forgot to give the test today. And so everybody's like, oh, come on. And so they get it, and Hope gets an A, and that's how it works. But uh, it's we pray for things not to happen sometimes, but regardless, when we pray, we always come at it from a perspective of, well, this is going to happen. And so it's natural then to be disappointed. Now, I don't want to spoiler alert Jesus' story for you, but this was the way it happened. Like, the cup of suffering did not get taken from him. He still died. Now, he ends that prayer with, uh, your will be done no matter what. And that's how we pray. That's how we live. But it still sucks when the answer is no, or it still sucks when something doesn't happen. Um, I, so I went to college several, several centuries ago, and it was a long time, and it was dinosaurs, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, when I was in college, I had a friend, 
and uh, his name was Tony. And he was probably the only person that I met through college other than when I got to grad school. And so we were friends. We played video games, uh, Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit, stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's, that's it. And so we were playing that. And so we were pretty close. He actually uh, graduated and got a job at Conseco. That's not important to the story other than the fact he took me to the very first Big Ten tournament, which was really cool. And so it was fun. And so we were pretty close. Um, uh, we roomed together for when I worked for the government for six months in Castleton, et cetera. Anyway, we were friends. Um, he got married, had kids, and so we kind of split apart, but we still were Facebook friends, you know, legit. And so we still knew each other, and occasionally we talked to each other, uh, but not very much. And so the other day I saw that he had a post, and uh, it said, hey, this is Tony's mom. And so immediately when you see someone posting on someone else's account, you get scared, especially when you get to be my age. And you get scared, and you're like, what's happening? And not to go too deep into the woods and not to go, like, just short, long story short, basically he, she's like, we found the reason for his memory issues he's been having the last few years. Uh, and again, long story short, he had really early onset dementia. And so he basically has two daughters and a wife who he does not recognize, and he is my age. So as much as I joke about my age and as much as I joke about being old, that's not old. Like it's it's nuts. It's messed up. And I lived through my great grandmother, who was in her late eighties and early nineties with dementia. And so I know what it looks like. And some of you guys have been around that, and you know what it looks like. And it sucks bad enough when it's somebody old, but when it's somebody young, somebody in the middle of their life, it's like, why God? Why? And his mom talked about praying and talked about we can still pray for hope and for healing, and that is absolutely true. But I want to say this. Going with the assumption, and who knows, because God can do anything, but going with the assumption that he doesn't get healed, and so this is the rest of his life, and he forgets everything. It's easy to look at that and be like, why? Like, he was a good person. He did good things. He had a family. Why not this person in prison, or why not this person over here? Why aren't his prayers answered? Why aren't his mother's prayers answered? And they're strong uh, church people. Like, they go to church. They actually, like, do all this stuff like we do. And it's like, why is that fair? Well, the answer is it's not fair. Now, Sometimes, maybe some of you have had somebody in your life, in your family, uh, who you've lost, and they lost a battle to cancer, or to Alzheimer's, or to something, and it sucks. It sucks. There's no way around it other than saying it sucks, and it's hard. Uh, now, you also may know some people who were healed of those things. Uh, I've spoken before at my, old church, my last church, Tri-County. Uh, there was a lady named Evelyn. And Evelyn, before I got there, Evelyn McGuire was put in hospice. And this, like, she was put in hospice. And when you're in hospice, you're going to die. Like, that's essentially the agreement. It's people that take care of you 24-7. Uh, then she passed last year. So she lived, like, 14 years. She got out of hospice and lived. She was healed. And she lived a full life past that. And it's so amazing. And we look at that and we're like, wow, God is amazing. And then we look at somebody like Tony, whose life is going to be cut short. And it's like, what? And... I could go the technical route and say, well, free will. And so life is corrupt, and we all have diseases, and this happens, and it's not fair. And that's true. But it still doesn't answer why. And I know that I can't stand here and say, well, this is God's plan. This is why it happens. I, I don't know that. We don't know God's plan. But we know that he is there. And so, yes, sometimes people are healed, or people are saved, or people, like, amazing miracles happen, and it's awesome. And that glorifies God, and people see that, and it's like, wow, look what God did. Sometimes, like Tony, somebody just, it's not fair. And people pass, or people lose their memories, or their minds, or whatever. And it hurts. And you're like, well, why didn't God heal them? 
I don't know. But I do know that God still works within that. And so while somebody who may be healed then goes on a tour and preaches and prays and says, hey, this is what God did. And you're like, well, this person could have done that too. But maybe somebody else in their life, they learned something from that. Or they're like, wow, life is short. I've really got to learn. I've really got to step it up. And I wish that I could tell you more. I wish that I could say, listen, this is what God says. This is God's plan. All I can tell you is God's plan is perfect. Now, Jesus did nothing wrong, ever. Like, literally nothing wrong. He didn't pinch anybody. He didn't poke anybody. He didn't punch anybody. Uh, when he would win Fortnite, like he didn't do stupid little dances. Like, he did everything right. He did everything right all of the time. He treated everyone with respect, everyone with love, everyone with hope. He loved every single person. And yet, he was hated, and he was killed, and his life was short. Now, he's eternal, and he's forever, but his human life was short. And it was filled with pain. And one of the reasons he did that is to show us, hey, I get it. I get what you're going through. And I know that if you've lost somebody or you, you're losing somebody, that's not a lot of comfort, but it's very true. And there's always a chance to look at him and be like, okay, Jesus went through this. How did he recover? How did he deal with this? How can I do more? How can I do good? That does not mean that there's ever going to be a point that Tony's family is going to be like, I'm so thankful that this happened because they're not going to be. They're going to be upset, and honestly, there will probably be a period where they blame God. But if their relationship with him is legit and strong, they're going to say, okay, God obviously didn't take him from us, because God doesn't take people. He allows people to go, but he's not like picking and choosing and like, hey, you know, you're going now. That's not how it works. Sometimes we think that's how it works. But they're going to stop, hopefully, and be like, okay, what happened in the time that he was here? Like, what kind of ministry could come from this? What can we do for his daughters? How can we come together? And again, it never makes it like, oh, I'm so happy that he's gone, or I'm so happy that his mind is gone. Never. But we learn from it, and we grow from it. And it's very easy for church people, like myself, to say, God's plan's perfect. And then for us to go through a hard part and be like, this just isn't fair. And it's not fair. But I go again, and that's why I chose Jesus this week for the the prayer, not just because it's a Jesus series, but for the prayer because... If even Jesus' prayer requests weren't fulfilled, it shows us that it's not a, this is right, this is wrong, this is fair, this is not fair. Uh, One of the things that happens too when you're in church a long time, you start to get the feeling, and sometimes you're made to get the feeling, well, I just don't have enough faith. That's why my prayer wasn't answered. It's not true. Uh, There are people with the most amazing faith in the world who have lost people and lost things and not gotten the right thing or whatever, and their prayers haven't been answered. There are people who just kind of have faith and their prayers are answered. It's not, again, that God looks at you and says, you need to be better and I'm going to answer your prayers. Because again, he's not a genie. But it's just, he can work through victory and he can work through loss. He can work through winning and he can work through failure. He can work through everything and he helps us. And even though in the moment when our prayer isn't answered, it hurts. And it's like, this is awful. He still can lift us up and help us. And sometimes we go through things and we, we always hopefully learn from them and move, them, move on from them. But sometimes the way that we handle it is more for someone else to notice. Now, it's, again, it's not like we're Lego people and God's like, hey, you know, I'm going to mess with their lives. It, it, free will. We live our life and God allows things to happen. Sometimes he steps in. Again, and I'm emphasizing this again, if your prayers aren't answered, he is not making a judgment on you like you're not good enough. Uh, Now, we can all be better. 
We can all grow more. We can all have more faith. Even the older people in the church, like there's never a point where like, oh, I have enough faith. I'm good now. But it's not about that. It's just about continuing to rely on him. Going to the next part. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. Um, when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Uh, the other thing is, and again, this isn't like, oh, it's your fault because it's not, it's just the way life is, uh, that we look at is, well, God didn't answer this prayer and God let me down or God did this or God failed or blah, blah, blah. For one, God never fails. But for two, we see that we fail him. So Peter, James, and John, all they had to do literally was sit there and pray and wait for Jesus to come back. Like, he didn't even say, you have to pray out loud, you have to go preach. He didn't say any of that. He's like, hey, stay here until I come back. Just kind of keep yourselves awake. Three times they fell asleep. And so that's not to say, man, people are awful and they're never any good. That's not true. And God doesn't believe that. But it's to say, when there's a failure, when there's a letting down, it's very often, it's always us doing it. And that's not to say, oh, we're never going to get it right, because people get it right. But it's to say that even in those cases, Jesus didn't walk up and say, well, you guys are out. You were going to lead the church, and now you're done. He said, stay awake. Second time he came back, and he's like, guys, this is for you. I want you to stay awake for you. I'm praying for your very souls and for my life. Stay awake. Then he goes away, they come back. Every single person, everyone in this room, everyone in this church, everyone that you can think of, on the third time after you've told somebody important like this and you're about to get arrested or you're about to get in trouble or whatever and the, your best friends can't even stay awake, we're going to lose it on them. We are. We're going to lose it on them. We're going to feel bad about it later, but we're going to be like, how stupid are you? Why can't you just stay awake? Like, you're so weak or blah, blah, blah. We'd say all that. Jesus said, guys, come on. This is for you. And that shows us that God never stops working for us. So that's the other thing with sometimes it's no, sometimes later it's yes, sometimes it's wait. Regardless, he never stops and he's like, man, they got mad at me when I said no and so I'm just not going to listen to him anymore. He still listens to us. And he still cares us and he still lifts us up and he still helps us. And sometimes that no leads to a bigger yes or sometimes that loss leads to a bigger gain. And I don't know. I wish, again, everybody, every pastor, every Christian wishes that we could like pour out your life's plan and be like, look, this is how it goes. This is what it looks like. Can't. Not till the end. Sometimes as you get older, you can look back and kind of see his hand and see where things that you wanted didn't work out or see that where things, people that you've lost that even helped you to get stronger, etc. It's still hard. Last part. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Uh, up, let's be going. Uh, look, my betrayer's here. So this is where he gets arrested. He was praying for them, and they couldn't even stay awake. He was praying for a prayer request that wasn't going to be fulfilled. And he still did not show anger or hatred or scorn or whatever else. When... Especially when it's something super important that you've prayed for and the answer is no or it doesn't happen or you don't see it happen in the same way. It is okay and it is natural to be upset. It is okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to, to just be like, this isn't fair. It's okay to feel that way. But do not stop there. And that's what's important with prayer and that's what's important with our life. 
don't stop there. Don't be like, well, it was no, so I'm never going to be a Christian again. Or, oh, well, that person's gone, so I'm never going to try again. It's just, that's hurting us. But it's to say, wow, three times people failed Jesus while he was being hurt, and he still came back that third time and loved them. So just keep going. Take the time to grieve. Take the time to hurt. Take the time to talk to people. But never just stop and be like, well, no means no forever in terms of prayer. Be like, God, help me to see why it was no. Help me to see why this person is gone. Help me to see how I can move on. And he will. He'll put people in your life. He'll put things in your life. He'll help you to see that. Again, pain is natural and fine. Being discouraged is natural and fine. But you guys are worth continuing to try. You're worth continuing to, to go forward, continuing to, to learn. So the greatest basketball player of all time is Michael Jordan. If you like LeBron, I'm very sorry. I'm praying for you. But Michael Jordan was never 14 games under 500. So um, Jordan, that wasn't just to slam LeBron, but Jordan, Jordan, when, that's fair. Jordan, when he was in high school, got cut from his varsity team. He got cut. He got, yeah, that's right. He got cut from his varsity team. A lot of people, when they get cut from their varsity team or get cut from anything, are like, well, it's over. That's a no. I'm done. I'm never going to try again. He obviously, regardless of your opinion, even if it's wrong, he obviously continued to practice and continued to work on it. And even if you don't think he's the best, you understand that you know his name and that he did a lot. That's not to say, hey, go be like Jordan, because I'm saying be like Jesus. He, no, no, that's, that's Pippin. Anyway, uh, so he got, he got cut and he kept trying. That's a big no. Now, obviously, in terms of life and death, getting cut from a basketball team is not the same thing, but it still hurts, and it still stings, and especially at that age. As you guys know, it's very real. And so when the answer is no, when you lose something, when you lose someone, when you're discouraged, when you're disappointed, you can still continue going from that. You can still have an even better life. You can still learn. You can still grow. And that's where God is. He's helping you through that. Again, it doesn't make it fair, and it doesn't make it easy and it doesn't make any of that and again and I say this I've said this a million times in this message it's okay to be sad it's okay to be discouraged it's okay to be upset but keep trying as I say a lot as the sign back there says always keep fighting keep going forward keep doing your best and keep praying even if the same prayer is no 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 keep praying that keep praying for help keep praying for life keep praying for everything that you can because he is listening even when you don't feel like he is he is listening and he is helping you to go forward and he always will that's all i got